Good morning, listeners. You're welcome to this week's Ag Report. I'm Jim Finn. My guests this week are Liam Dupuyer from the Prayer Consultancy. I will be talking to Dennis Drennan, the newly elected president of the Irish Cream and Milk Suppliers Association. And my final guest this morning will be Amy Ford, the news editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. My first guest this morning is Pat O'Donoghue and Pat is with Chagas and he's in the Clonmel office and we're going to be talking about slurry spreading. The window is about to open very shortly and I suppose we have to uh, talk about it and in particular safety around it. Good morning Pat and thanks very much for joining us. Hello Jim and thanks for having me. Well, first of all, Pat, may I wish you a very happy uh, New Year. And when I'm wishing you, I would also like to wish all my listeners a very happy New Year. We won't feel today is getting a bit longer now anyway. Thanks be to God. That's, that's correct. And, and many happy returns, Jim. Yeah, thanks very much, Pat. Now, Pat, as I said there, uh, we're going to be talking about slurry. So uh, you want to talk about the safety concerns around the spreading of slurry. Yes, Jim. So I suppose look, heading for a... A busy period of the year now with the springtime coming and look first and foremost anyway the the slurry season is going to be opening up there in the, the coming two weeks um for the different zones so look i suppose the farm safety element is an important part of it i suppose in in the last decade it has seen that look at about 10 percent of the, the fatalities around the the farm yeah have, uh, yeah have revolved around the spreading the, of slurry that's, that's thing. That's, that's yeah. correct. So ten, about ten percent. So look, it's it's an important element of the day-to-day jobs. So look, slurry drowning and and, and gassing, I suppose, are, are the main elements of it linked mm-hmm. in with a small bit around the, the machinery um, and PTO covers. So look, I suppose it's it's a case of when when farmers go to, to spread slurry, look, it's it's a case of it's it's now going to be opening up again for the for the first time in, in a couple of months. So mm-hmm. to have I suppose machines working in in good. Good order, particularly PTO covers, is is an important part of it. I suppose that's that's one side of it. So look, it's it's a case of I suppose the agitation element of of the the slurry is is the the key component when it comes to I suppose the the gases. Um, so look, you have the likes of hydrogen sulfide, ammonia, methane, carbon dioxide. All these gases get released upon agitation, and I suppose it's the the first half an hour um, of, of vegetation of tanks is where these gases are, are at their most dangerous. So I suppose, look, once, once the agitation period starts, look, it's, it's kind of guidelines, I suppose, to, to stay away from the area for, for about 30 minutes. So I suppose prior to the, the agitation commencing, it's, it's a case, I suppose, trying to get all stock uh, as much as possible out, out of livestock sheds, open up all doors to have, I suppose, good airflow going through the sheds. Um, things like that, I suppose, will, will help to... I suppose uh, avoid um, fatalities and, and and people getting knocked down. I suppose from, mm-hmm. from these gases because look, it's, it it only takes a couple of breadfuls um, of of hydrogen sulfide to to more or less I suppose make make someone unconscious. And and from that point on, look, unless there's there's, there's maybe look two people present might might help. I suppose mm-hmm. to to counteract this. I suppose if 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 at all possible. And look, farm staff. I suppose is. Is, is getting harder to find um with with each year going on. So like that that can be difficult in its in its own right. But having having two people around, I suppose look for for, for the first couple of times we'd say when once agitation starts um because look once one story has been there for for the last number of weeks, tanks are, are more or less full. There's there's a good chance I suppose that a crust 
mm-hmm. you're starting to build um, and, and this is is an important element I suppose in terms of the, the farm safety side anyway. It's the crust that uh, captures the gas underneath it and when you, when you break it the, the gas is released so it, it is a very dangerous time. So that's that's right. That's the that's the gassing up somebody now. Also, of course, a lot of people have fallen in, and as you said, the drowning happens as well. So, again, what precautions can a farmer take to make certain sure uh, nobody falls into a slurry tank? Yeah, so definitely, slurry drown is is another element, I suppose, that, that can lead to fatalities, unfortunately. And, predominantly around the younger and, and the more elderly um, people on, on the farm. Um, so look, I suppose, having good facilities in terms of enclosures around slurry tanks, whether it be open slurry tanks or, or whether it be slatter tanks where there's there are agitation pines, look, there needs to be good um, quality covers there in place and, 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 and safety um, covers in on, underneath as, as well in place. Um, look, mm-hmm. I suppose, uh, another component in is, is when... I suppose the the slurry is is actually being sprayed and it's been drawn away from these tanks. So look, ideally, look, it, it takes a bit of time in between loads, but if if covers can be closed, it it, it could mean that that it could save a life life at the end of the day um, from from someone falling into a tank un, un, unbeknownst. I suppose maybe knowing where exactly it is, but also I suppose it it also is, is important as well for the the actual driver, whether it be the, the farmer themselves or, or a contractor. I suppose to be just aware of where they're standing every time it comes back to to fill in the load or mm-hmm. whatnot, um, which which is also important. Of course, and there's also the uh, possibility that a child might uh, ramble out from the house, and of course, that's, that's if, one of, if one of these uh, points where you take the slurry out is uh, left open, that's an absolute major risk as far as a young child is concerned because uh, their curiosity is going to bring them to see what's happening underneath that open ta- uh, open cover. That's that's for sure, definitely, because look, I suppose children in their in their own right are, are used to playing a lot of sports and look, it may be mm-hmm. a footballer or a slitter that, that may enter the farmyard and they may go to, to re- retrieve it and look, there's, there's, mm-hmm. there's a slight chance of it entering the tank, but if it does, they may try to retrieve it and, and look, by, by not having covers closed and, and, and fully secure during that period of, of going out to the field to spread it, it could mean that when you come back that you, you could be encountering something, something extremely dangerous um, after occurring. Right now, of course, there's another thing that has happened. There are new regulations with regarding to the spreading of slurry that have come in since the first of the year. That's that's correct. Yes. So look, I suppose there's there's a few new regulations there now in in recent times, and and there's always new regulations going to be coming down 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 the road as well. But I suppose a few that have been implemented there recently, I suppose, in terms of, of around the, the, the close period. So look, you've the, the close period now commencing on, on the 1st of October, um, going up to the 12th of January in, in, in the case of Zone A, which, which Tipperary would lie in, and, and a couple of the, the surrounding counties of of Waterford, Kilkenny, Offaly, um, and things like that. Look, our, our neighbours, Limerick, we'd say, would, would be in Zone B. So I suppose in terms of slurry season opening up then, so look, Zone A, where, where Tipperary would lie, it's, it's going to kick off on, on, on the 13th of January onwards. So look, it's, it's a case, I suppose, that's when it's when it's open, uh, allowed periods to, to start spreading slurry. Look, weather conditions will, will play a big part of that as well. Um, but look, at, at the end of the day, if tanks are full, farmers will, will have to do something in, in that regard and trying to alleviate the, the pressures. Um, because unfortunately, look, livestock can't, can't lie in 
in in in slurry um inside in the sheds either so mm-hmm. look it's it's a case of, i suppose trying to get slurry out to the to the slightly drier parts of the farm first and foremost would would be where where we'd be trying to get it um so look that's that's not simple in its own right if if, if weather conditions don't allow but yeah look the 13th january is, is when things will open up zone b um so the likes of limerick or, or neighbors to, to kick off from the, the 16th january so i suppose that's that's one element um is, is the slurry and, and and the organic manure and um, mm-hmm. i suppose coming on to a, a new and a, and a big matter going forward for, for a lot of dairy farmers is, is the soil water element so yeah. i suppose this this year 2024 now we'll, we'll see the implementation of, of a 31 day closed period from from spreading soil water the the full month of december so mm-hmm. that'll that commence from the the first of december this year jim um mm-hmm. and it'll run right to the end of into december so i suppose farms particularly on, on on the dairy side here will will have to i suppose assess their their soil water storage and to see if they have enough of of storage for that that full month of december because look it's, it's a case of, i suppose outside of the month of december then it, it, it can be sprayed but unfortunately i suppose if, if there isn't enough storage in, in place for soil water and, and its own for for the maximum yeah. number of, of cows that are being milked during the year unfortunately it, it, it can't be spread at all then it, it would have to be stored with slurry for the for the full 16 week period um so that's that's a an important element as as well like and, and would put full slurry storage on, under pressure um and I suppose, look, finally, then another one then to touch on is is the low emission slurry spreading. So mm-hmm. I suppose in in recent times, it's a case of that's that's going to be implemented more or less, you could say, nearly fully across the board in, in the coming years. But as of for this year, I suppose anyone that has stocked above 130 kilograms of organic nitrogen in, in 2023 will have to now spread by low emission slurry spreading. So look, the, the, the likes of the splash plate is, is, is going to be ruled out in, in, in the coming years. And, and from this year onwards now, anyone stocked above 130 kilograms of organic nitrogen will have to spread by the likes of the dribble bar or, or, or the trail and shoe. Um, so that's that's another an, another new one there now because last year was it was anyone above one, 150, but it's now coming down the, the levels to, to anyone above 130 kilograms of organic nitrogen. Right, yeah, and of course one other thing to remind farmers, and that is the buffer zone, if you're anywhere near a water course of any description, make or kind, you have to keep a decent distance away from the edge of that particular water course. Now, I know you have a few events coming up, Pat, that you want to highlight. Yes, so I suppose, first and foremost, anyway, I suppose, look, Chagas, in in conjunction with Animal Health Ireland, are are running a calf care event, on, on the farm of John Martina and Corey Lunigan there in, in, in Drangamore, Clare County, Tipperary. That's that's taking place next Monday on the, the 8th of January at, at 11 a.m. So I suppose the, the air code for anyone looking to attend that, the, that event is, is E21V380. So the, the 8th of January at 11 a.m., Jim, is, is when that calf care event is, is taking place. So the likes of Calf Health, Managing calves for sale, calf housing and, and pre-weaning nutrition will be some of the topics covered on, on the day. So it's, it's lined up to be a, a good event there, Jim, okay. for anyone, I suppose, look, mm-hmm. look, looking to attend that. And, and I suppose secondly, then, there's a, a Chagas um, Arabon sustainability event taking place in, in the Abbey Court um, Hotel in, in Nina on, on the 10th of January. So that's that's next Wednesday at, at 11 a.m. So that'll, that'll focus then. On, on, on the sustainability and, and water quality and, and those kinds of topics. So I suppose there's, there's going to be speakers there from from Chagas um, and then you'll have the likes of Law Pro, the County Council, um, also in, in, involved in that event. OK, well, look, thanks very much, 
for all that, Pat, and thanks for joining me this morning. That listener was Pat O'Donoghue from Chagas, and Pat's in Clonmel office. And if thanks, you want, Jim. if you want to attend either of those events, and you want to know more about them, you'll find them on the Chagas website. Listeners, my next guest this morning is Liam Dupuyer from Liam Dupuyer Consultancy, and Liam has been in the consultancy business longer than I have been in the radio business, I can assure you, listeners, and he is very informative as far as all matters concerned with Irish agriculture. And he did a survey of the agri-food industry in 2023, that's last year, and he did it for the Irish Farmers Monthly. I'm quite sure some of you get it. And Liam joins us this morning to give me his take on what's in that particular report. Good morning, Liam. Good morning, Jim, and thank you very much for having me on your programme. It's about time I got you on, on your own. Usually you're offering me somebody to have a a chat with that you're uh, working with or working for. So uh, I'm going to give you a free reign now, Liam. Will you tell me what you, in your uh, words, are the highlights as far as the agri-food industry was concerned in 2018? 23. Well, Jim, first of all, it's rather, it, what I've done actually is research um, the agri-food business map for 2023 and made some predictions for 2024. So to start off with, um, last year was a bumper year for Irish agri-food exports with total sales of 19 billion, which is up 22% in 2021. And the most about that was development food is exports was only up by 1%, which meant that we have been able to add value to our exports. So at the moment, for example, about 90% of Irish beef, sheep meat and dairy products are being exported, which is a fair achievement. Mm-hmm. And these exports have got to 180 countries worldwide. So one point I'd like to make is that it's ridiculous for some of these people in the Green Party to be suggesting we should be cutting back in food production because, um, first of all, the agri-food industry employs a huge number of people. Secondly, the world population is growing, so the world needs more food. And the demand for food is going to continue to grow, not only because the world population is growing, but because people in the third world, their incomes are improving, which is good news for Irish farmers and for the Irish economy. Now, having said that, 2023 was a tough year for farmers because we know the weather was was, was yeah. uh, very volatile. Mm-hmm. And that, in the case of Irish farmers, it, it had a big impact on crop yields and crop quality and indeed quite a few potato farmers and seed growers weren't able to harvest their crops so that that was one sector that was hard hit. Now having said that the grassland farmers were also impacted because again because of the variable weather conditions, grass growth was poor and uh, the fact is noticed that um, Mm -hmm. cattle weren't as well finished as the previous year and lambs weren't as well finished. So um, and obviously, because of different grazing conditions, it was harder for farmers to optimise the grass utilisation. And part of, of the consequence of this was the farmers actually had to spend more money buying concentrate feed last year to make up for the deficiencies in, in the grassland system. But having said that, um, uh, you know, the uh, price of cattle last year was good, the price of lambs was good, and while big prices took a hit, uh, they're on their way back now, which is good news for dairy farmers. And uh, I suppose the other thing, the other thing which was a big problem actually for, for all farmers was that the 
cost of energy was high, the cost of fertilizer was high, the cost of feed was high because of the war in Ukraine and other reasons. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the problems farmers had while the price of cattle and lamb was, was reasonably good. Uh, they had to they had to pay a higher cost for feed fertilizers and for fuel, which obviously impacted on their incomes. And the dairy farmers in particular took a fair hit on milk prices while at the same time having to pay more for feed and fertilizer and fuel. Now, having said that, the, the cost of feed and fertilizer in 2023 was, was lower than it was in 2022. So, and the, the, the the cost of farm level continued to fall, which is good news for farmers. So for 2024, I'm predicting that uh, there'll be better, much better milk prices for farmers. Cattle prices um, are continuing to rise. Land prices are con- continuing to rise. And the cost of production is coming down. So with the exception of pig producers, I think um, all farmers next year can expect uh, a better year than they had in 2023. Okay, we're just after turning in to 2024 and I do see that you know beef prices are very buoyant so are Weanlands uh, are younger cattle at the moment they seem to be doing extremely well so that more or less marries with what you said that you expect prices to be much better in 2024. Another Important fact as well for cattle producers is that live cattle exports were very good last year and the future for live cattle exports is quite good. But having said that, the EU have, are looking at restricting the, the journey times for cows, etc., which could impact on our calf exports. But what I would see happening there is that those cows go mainly to countries like Holland to produce veal. So if the Dutch can get Irish cows, they can move part of their veal industry to Ireland and we could produce a lot of veal in Ireland from, from cows which would solve that problem. But the Dutch are very inventive and as to how they would do uh, things anyway so it'll be interesting uh, if that scenario materialises here. At least we're not going to have the, the scenario that they had in New Zealand where animals were you know, absolutely just slaughtered at birth. Yeah, no, no, it's, I think generally things are positive. Mm-hmm. Some other interesting things that happened last year was that uh, there was a very attractive forestry scheme launched and mm-hmm. um, also uh, a scheme for, I suppose, small plantations of trees, you know, yeah. for mm-hmm. boundaries of rivers and things like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, and the grants for forestry are very, very attractive. The problem has been that because of bureaucracy and planning objections, a lot of farmers were pissed off by these problems. But I think these problems will be solved. So I would take the foot 2024 that you'll see a lot more farmers planting trees because, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a it's a great retirement fund to have. To, you know, if you had 10 or 20 hectares of trees mm-hmm. growing on your land, you'd have a nice pension fund down the road. You'd have, uh, depending on the age of the farmer, you'd have a nice fund to pay for total level education of your children. And um, you can make more money from forestry than you would from cattle or sheep. And obviously, mm-hmm. the trees also the advantage for the climate of the farm. You know that uh, it mm-hmm. uh, you have better animal health and uh, higher mm-hmm. temperatures near farm buildings, etc. So I could see that forestry make a, a good, very good comeback over the next couple of years. Right. Okay. And then moving on to uh, organic farming, there was. Uh, quite a big expansion I know admittedly from a very low base in 2023 do you foresee that there will be further expansion in 2024 Lee? 
Well, I think, unfortunately, organic farming has been driven by the Green Party, and there's no doubt that grants are very attractive. And uh, But the problem I see with organic farming is that um, the market isn't there for it, because if you want to buy organic food, you have to pay a lot more for it. And I don't, don't believe that um, that people are prepared to pay more for food. So, I, I unfortunately, I, I will see that most organic Food will be produced and sold at a price only marginally above uh, conventional mm-hmm. food production. Unfortunately, that's my take on it. Right. Another thing that's catching the eye of many farmers, and that is uh, the uh, production of energy and going into the energy market, whether that's solar or wind uh, in particular. Do you see that's going to expand in 2024 and beyond? Well, I think that, that there'll be huge uh, expansion, and the mm-hmm. foster government have been still kind of coming out with grants and stuff like that. But if you take, say, solar panels as an example, yeah, I've got solar solar panels in my own house, and it's certainly reduced um, uh, my <laughs> ESB bill. And uh, so I think that I will see most farmers eventually will, will have solar panels on, on the roof of their sheds. And in fact, rather than having big solar farms, it makes more sense to encourage every farmer to put in solar panels on their cattle sheds. Uh, and it's a no-brainer, like, you know, the, the return on uh, feedback is only about, takes only about five years to get your money back. And in addition to that, and I think that these um, anaerobic digester plants will take off as well, because if you think about it, we have a huge tonnage, for example, meat and bone mm-hmm. meat, which we were exporting. We can no longer do that. Or that can be used as a feed. Silage can be used as a feed. Uh, you know, food waste can be used as a feed. And there's already 80, what do you call 80 plants in Northern Ireland working well. And, uh, you know, so you could see farmers, particularly older farmers, now growing silage on contract to feed these plants. And, uh, you know, the silage crops will be harvested by contractors and the crops brought to the local AD plant. So there'll be no labour required. And rather than having to, to mm-hmm. stock the farm with, with, with cattle, and particularly for older farmers who are sort of not in the best of health, it will be a very nice uh, source of, of a future income for them. Okay. So yeah. I, I think that the technology is well proven on these AD plants, and I think that once the grant structure has been started out, they'll take off. And, of course, I could see most co-ops getting behind the, this industry and setting up AD plants on behalf of their shareholders and members, because it would make sense, you know. Okay, well, look at for this morning now. We're going to have to leave it there. I'm out of time. But look at, I want to thank you ever so much for uh, joining us this morning. That listener was Liam Dupuyer from Liam Dupuyer Consultancy talking about their report for 2023 and giving us an insight into some of the things that may happen and hopefully they're all good for 2024. Listeners, you may be aware that since last month, ICMSA have a new president. This time, it isn't a Tipperary man, it's a Kilkenny man. It's Dennis Drennan, and uh, Dennis has been around with the ICMSA for quite a number of years now and has served in many, many capacities for the organisation. And luckily enough now, I caught up with him this week uh, to have a little bit chat with Dennis. Good morning, Dennis, and thanks for joining us here on Tip FM. Good morning, Jim, and good morning to all your listeners. 
Dennis, uh, congratulations first on behalf of the ICMSA members in Tipperary in particular, but also on behalf of the farmers of the whole county Tipperary and indeed the farmers of the country. You have taken on a very, very onerous task at a very, very difficult time. Yeah, thanks very much, Jim, and, and, and thanks to everyone for the good wishes. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's look, at, there's so many issues out there at the moment that uh, when you think you have one solved, you want to be looking over both shoulders because there's so many coming up, creeping up behind us. And, uh, you know, the, the, the VAT issue now at the moment is, I suppose, look at one of those ones that crept up on us and nobody saw it coming. And uh, it's going to take a, a bit of manoeuvring to, to get it sorted again. So it is. But uh, look, at, there's so many issues between water quality, nitrates, milk price, milk cost of production. So there's no end to the amount of issues that are out there. Now, I know you on your own can't tackle all those issues and neither can any farm leader, uh, any, any, any farm leader in the country be able to tackle any, any of them. But look, at a lot of my listeners don't know who Dennis Drennan is. So who is Dennis Drennan? I know him, I know him. I know you, but that's different. Go on. <laughs> No, first and foremost, look at I'm a dairy farmer from just outside Kilkenny City here. I'm I'm about four miles outside Kilkenny City, and uh, it's a family farm here that my father bought back in the 60s. And believe it or not, he bought it at £100 an acre and was told that he should be locked up because no land was worth £100 an acre. So uh, history has proven him wrong, so them wrong on my father right at the time. The problem was he didn't buy enough of it, but that's the way it goes. They were different times. So look at I'm a spring calfing dairy herd. Uh, very simple setup. It's not a. It's, it's a modest setup here. Just uh, inherited from my father when he got ill about uh, what twenty eight years ago mm-hmm. now, and uh, just that's my first and foremost. That that that's 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 my role. I suppose is, is keep the family farm on on the road. And are you a family man? No, I I got married recently. All right, but I don't have children. Right. And uh, we're just tipping along here. Uh, my father passed away seven years ago, and my mother is actually suffering from dementia and is living in a nursing home. Oh, no. in, in now in a nursing home, so unfortunately, uh, I looked after her during COVID at home here, but uh, unfortunately, she uh, just wasn't feasible uh, after a certain amount of time. So that's just unfortunate things of life, and uh, they're the things you have to deal with. Okay, well, look, uh, I wasn't aware that you got married recently. Uh, congratulations on that. Can I ask you then, at what stage did you join ICMSA? Oh, God, it's a long time ago now. I suppose I was heavily involved in Mocker, I suppose, in my 20s and maybe mm-hmm. my early early 30s. And uh, then I suppose I was looking for an alternative. And I got introduced to ICMSA probably about 15 years ago. And I was always, I, what really appealed to me was the, the bottom-up approach and that the, an issue that was, you know, for a, a normal member and a person that was just farming away, an issue could be brought to, to a county executive and then brought onto the National Council and it would be dealt with as a national issue. And that's where the, the problems that lean on the farmer's toe in, in, on the ground are the issues that are dealt with at ICMSA at top level. So, and it's very much, um, you know, trying to find a solution that works for the farmer on the ground. And but, that's, you know, can, can work for him. So it, that's about, I'd say, 15 years ago. And then I began, I got uh, elected onto the Dairy Committee I served on the Dairy Committee then for six years and then I switched over and became chair of the Farm and Rural Affairs Committee six years ago then and uh, became deputy president about a year and a half ago, April of 2022. And uh, thankfully now elected as president. It's a huge honour for me to to lead an organisation that I have such huge belief and respect for. It's interesting that you just say you're interested in the bottom-up approach with the ICMSA because 
you have also followed that bottom-up approach. You have been the chairperson of the Kilkenny Leader, and that's a bottom-up organisation as well. Absolutely, yeah. I just stepped down as, as um, the chair of Kilkenny Leader Partnership there mm-hmm. back in July, and uh, my term was up, but I, I actually had served about 12 years as the chair of Kilkenny Leader Partnership, another organisation that's very close to my heart, because it's really about doing things for people, in helping people in rural local communities helping themselves and improving their lifestyle and, and the facilities available to people living in rural Ireland. So I, I suppose it's a team running through all the things that I've been involved in for the last 25 and 30 years. OK, and following on then with that team, I presume that team is going to form much of the way in which your leadership of the ICMSA is going, the course it's going to take over the coming years. Well, to look at our priority is always the, the family farm model and to protect the income of the family farm model, which is under serious threat from all sectors at the moment. But I suppose the, the nitrates and the banding and the cut and derogation, you know, if you're if you're milking a couple of hundred cows, four or five hundred cows, you can cut back by a certain amount and you're still a viable holding and, you know, you can still generate an income to provide for your family, uh, you know, even though you may have to cut back and your business plans be effect, may be affected. But... For the farmer with 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 cows, like, I mean, for, for farmers like that, they'll have to cut back. It may be the difference between being viable and non-viable. So that's why we're, you know, first of all, we fought, I suppose, the cut and derogation and, you know, went as far as Europe in June of 2022 mm-hmm. to see what were the options out there. There were very little options. So now we've taken the approach that we need to look at the flexibilities around the edges to see can we find any flexibility to lessen the blow that, that the family farm will be hit with. So thankfully we've come up with a few options. We're hoping to get those across the line. We thought we were, we were hopeful that they'd be across the line for the 1st of January so that people could start the new year and, and have a, a sound footing and, and be able to plan, you know, with, with these measures in place. But um, look, we're still hopeful that they'll be across the line within the next couple of weeks. And Dennis, looking into the future, uh, do you think that the the expansion of the dairy herd has uh, reached its peak and are we likely to maybe level out at the level it is at the moment? I think it's probably reached its peak. Yeah. And I think, if, if anything, we may see a contraction with the derogation, uh, you know, being cut from 250 to 220 because I suppose, <coughs> excuse me, they're not making any more land. And uh, the availability of land on the grazing platform and uh, so forth is, is coming under under such pressure. And we have government policy that they want more tillage and more forestry and more organics and more land re-wetted. So, you know, the, 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 the struggle for, to get extra land to carry the same number of cows is, is a serious struggle. So I think it's, it's it could cause a problem for the whole industry. And the problem is we're going to lose our competitive advantage because... We're getting to the stage that we can grow a lot more grass in a lot more environmentally friendly ways and yeah. we just may not have the cows to eat that grass the way things are, are looking. Right, so that would be a serious situation for Irish dairy farmers if there was that kind of contraction with regard to numbers. Absolutely, but I mean, I suppose, look at our competitive advantages. We can grow grass probably 12 months of the year. Mm. I mean, here we are in the first week in January and grass is probably still growing reasonably Slowly, but still growing. Like, mm-hmm. and um, do you know? I mean, if you look at the research that's going on out there, especially in the likes of Johnstown Castle, I was talking to David Waller a couple of weeks ago, and he said that multi-species swarts in Johnstown Castle are producing fourteen and a half tons of grass with only sixty kilograms of nitrogen applied. So, that's 
uh, an unbelievable efficient system to grow grass to feed your cows. But uh, the problem is we won't, if the, if the derogation cuts continue, we won't have enough cows per hectare to eat that grass. So we'll end up with surplus grass, even though we're growing it in an unbelievably unmatched anywhere in the world uh, system of, of providing feed for cows. That's a real competitive advantage is the grass-based system. And unfortunately, that's the bit that's coming under threat. Dennis, I know you're a very busy person. I don't want to hold you up much longer. But what would your message be then as we are in the first week of 2024 and virtually the first month of your presidency? What would your message be to any farmer listening to us this morning? Well, certainly we're going to continue to fight on behalf of the family farm and that where regulation may be coming in, we'll certainly be looking at the minister and the government have, uh, you know, uh, agree that they're going to provide flexibility around the edges, and that's what we're looking for in the form of the, the cut and crude protein to, of the feed going into the cow during the summer months uh, is going to reduce the nitrate excretion rate of the cow. The calf in the first 12 weeks of age, is the, the excretion rates for, for that calf are going to be reduced. We're also hoping that the exportation of slurry will become more attractive because the nitrogen value of the slurry will be increases. Uh, will be increased and hopefully all those three together may make it possible may not compensate fully for the 12 percent cut that is the 250 to the 220 but it may make up for a, a, a good proportion of it, maybe eight or nine percent of that 12 percent cut so it'll it'll allow you know the family farm model to, to remain viable for another while anyway and we'll keep fighting the fight on behalf of the farmers on the ground okay well look dennis thanks very much for joining us this morning that listeners was Dennis Drennan, the new president of the Irish Cream Milk Suppliers Association. Listeners, my next guest this morning is no stranger to Agriport on Tip FM. She is Amy Ford, and Amy is the news editor with the Irish Farmers Journal. And Amy and I are going to talk about some of the articles that are in uh, this week's journal and will be of particular interest to uh, farmers here in Tipperary. Good morning, Amy, and may I first of all wish you a very happy New Year. Good morning, Jim, and many happy returns to you and your listeners. Okay, okay. Now, I said we're going to talk about uh, some things that are in this week's journal. So let's start off with a Weanland survey. Yeah, so this week we have exclusive Irish Farmers Journal analysis of our Mart bids data, and that shows that prices for top quality Wayneland bulls weighing between 300 and 400 kilos uh, jumped by almost 120 euro per head last year on 2022. I suppose. Looking at the, the figures, Limousine Bull Wayland's experienced the biggest price lift. They rose by 178 euro ahead um, on 2022, uh, you know, a positive jump for the breed. And then the breed with the, the highest average price was the Belgian Blues. Uh, they were at 4.05 euro a kilo for 400 to 450 kilo Wayland's. And that's up a mass of 53 cent a kilo or about 225 euro ahead on the previous year's prices. So a fairly big jump for the blues um in the mm-hmm. in the in the data. Right, okay. And it's good to see an upward trend. Yeah, it is. Look, um things uh, costs over the last number of years and prices um cost especially input costs, fertilizer, feed, so on, you know, have been soaring. It's good to see some positive movement in the beef trade. Um I will say a slight caveat that the, the Belgian Blue Wayland's commanded the top price per kilo in almost all weight categories. Um but they aren't, you know, they're not the, um, making up the top 
the total market. Um, Limousine and Charlie Sard Wayland's dom- really dominated and they account for over 70% of the Wayland sold. So, um, you know, the Blues were doing the best, but um, they aren't they, they aren't as uh, prolific around the country, shall we say, Jim. And Amy, would part of the survey have been a question as to how they would perform in 2024? No, we didn't include that. Mm. What we, um, what we, what I'll, I'll take inspiration from you for that for our upcoming survey, if that's mm. all right. Um, yeah. It didn't include that, but it'll be interesting to see um, this year as as we go on. Obviously, and Wayland's come on the market late in the year, um, where things go. I know there were mad prices paid up up parts of the country um, earlier this or last year, I should say, um, for for showy type Wayland's. Yeah. Let's call them that, um, and it'll be interesting to see if that market continues this year. Yeah, it will be interesting and it will also be very interesting to see how what's going to happen with the calf market. I know we're not going to talk about it today, but again, uh, there'll probably be question marks over that and particularly calves being exported in 2024. I'd say I'd say there will. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. Let's move on then to, I suppose, something that raised its ugly head a few years ago, and that is NTC testing for tractors. Yeah, so in around 2018, uh, for anyone that's listening that remembers um, back that far pre-pandemic, um, there was, it was mooted that there would be NCT-style testing for tractors around the country. Like We have to bring a test for a test every year or every second year. Um, what ended up was they approved fast tractors, so tractors that weren't involved in agriculture, to be approved for this NCT NCT style test and those factors that are are deemed to be fast tractors so not used in farming around the country essentially they have to be tested um, each year in this kind of test um, I suppose the Road Safety Authority was considering the introduction of this test for all agricultural tractors um, but it has told the our Farmers Journal this week that it is unlikely that it would be recommending this mandatory testing for farm tractors uh, it said that it's unlikely that it will um, be recommending the this inspection basically um and it will continue on um testing the the other tractors the fast tractors that aren't involved in agriculture so positive news really for anyone with with tractor on their farm obviously which is the majority of farmers um but who knows what the future holds in that front and there could be a u-turn down the line at some stage okay and what about uh, the tractors used by agricultural contractors it what's the situation with the tractors that uh belong to agricultural contractors? Oh, that's a good question. As far as I'm aware, because they're used for agricultural work, mm-hmm. they are not included in the te- in the test. Um, but that's something that I'm sure um, is, is clarified in the machinery pages of the Farmer's Journal this week. OK, we'll have to have a look at that and see what it is, because they spend a lot of time on the road, more so than your, your ordinary farmer's tractor that might just go up and down the road very occasionally. Yeah, they definitely do. And I, I hope I'm right on that one. Now you caught me on the hop on that mm-hmm. one, um, Jim. OK. And um, Amy, there's uh, an article on this week's journal, too. It's about crime, uh, farm crime. Uh, you know, can you give us enlighten us as to what's in that particular article of interest to uh- farmers in Tipperary and beyond? Yeah, I can, of course, Jim. And um, I suppose we we surveyed 1,500 farmers just before Christmas um, on a range of topics. 
Mm-hmm. And one of them was on rural, rural crime and, and basically um, the issues that are facing farmers and farmers in tip will be um, no stranger to rural crime. But of the 1500 farmers that we surveyed, 390 of them, which is a big enough sample, said that they had been impacted by rural crime at one stage or another. And trespassing came out as the, the main issue that was facing these farmers who'd been impacted by rural crime. Um, there was issues um, with obviously people coming coming onto their land, tra- trespassing with hunting, tra- sorry, trespassing with dogs for hunting. Um, there was machinery being stolen from farmyards. That was an issue for forty percent of those who surveyed break-ins and houses. Uh, intimidation was an issue for for eighteen percent of farmers. Um, while obviously stolen livestock and the theft of money were, were also issues that came came in there. I suppose one one um, response that stood out to me, Jim, was that um, in relation to drugs, basically one farmer found that property on his land had been used as a vehicle for drug storage. So a trough on his land had basically been used as a drop-off point for, for someone to drop off and another person to pick up drugs. Um, and farmers were given the opportunity to tell of their experience. So we'll actually have more of that um, in next week's Irish Farmers Journal. Um, so the top five are revealed in, in this week's paper and, and we'll have more obviously then next week then as well. Right. And, you know, I suppose farms are so open and so easy to access. I know a lot of farmers now have done it quite a lot, but, you know, farmers should be really taking all the precautions they possibly can, whether that's CCTV, lighting, etc., to protect their both their house and farmyard. Now, it'd be very difficult to protect every single field and stop people coming onto their land hunting. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's something that the Gardaí have have mm-hmm. have consistently said to us whenever we've asked them is, you know, the key easy things, you know, light up and lock up, basically lock your sheds, lock your doors, lock your windows, um, ensure your yard is well lit. Like if you can afford it, um, like a lot, obviously a lot of people or a lot of farmers in tip or dairy farmers were coming into calving season. A lot of farmers will have CCTV in their sheds. Um, you know, is that is that an option for you if you have been impacted or you're concerned about that with a camera outside your shed pointing at your yard or at your house or so on? Um, whatever you mm-hmm. can do to deter crime on your farm basically is, is really the advice that, that whatever you can do should be done. And it's the simple things that can be done as well, Jim, as you said, you know, as in locking up, making sure the lock is on the shed door. It's not just closed um, and making sure the house is locked and so on. Yeah, and it isn't a big job now, as you quite rightly said, a lot of farmers have uh, CCTV for the calving uh, of their cows to get an extra camera and put it on the one of the entrances to the farm or and another one on the farmyard itself. Yeah, exactly. And um, I'm not sure about the relative expense or inexpense mm-hmm. of it, um, but if it's something that's within your power to do and it could either result in uh, preventing someone coming into your yard if they know there's a sign up that there's CCTV there or if it could record someone who has maybe stolen something from your yard, um, wouldn't you be better off uh, having it there, obviously, if it's if it's a possibility for you and your friend. And you're saying that this particular article, there is a follow up to it on next week's journal. So uh, anybody listening to us this morning with regard to rural crime, they really should uh, be going out and buying next week's paper. Is that right, Amy? That's what I'm saying, Jim. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) Okay. Well, look, thanks very much for joining us this morning and sharing some of what has been on this week's journal uh, for us here in Tipperary this morning. That listeners was Amy Ford, who is the news editor with the Irish Farmers Journal.
That, listeners, is AgriPort for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me at the same time next week. Coming up next is the news at 10 o'clock. And after that, Eamon Dewar presents Down Your Way.